On this episode, we're going to be learning about how Eve Mattress is 10x revenue from 2.8 million pounds to 28 million pounds in just two years. Do stay tuned. Welcome to 2X e-commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Kanae, answers them. Also hear from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me, and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. So on the inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kune Campbell. Let's get rolling. Between September the 13th to the 14th, the city of Boston in Massachusetts is going to explode with e-commerce marketing insights. That's because Clavio, our sponsors, are hosting e-commerce marketing conference called Clavio Boston. It's a two-day conference for 400 marketers and store owners with an awesome lineup of speakers. Got experts coming in from Shopify Plus, Big Commerce, Google, Octane AI, Recharge, Smile.io, Swell, and top e-commerce agencies. Plus, panels with successful Clavio e-commerce clients. There's going to be a keynote address by Ezra Firestone. To find out more about how you can register for this Clavio Boston conference, just head over to Clavio.com forward slash Boston. That is Clavio.com forward slash Boston. You can't miss it if you're really looking to double down on e-commerce email marketing. Hello, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the e-commerce podcast show dedicated to rapid growth in online retail, not at the enterprise level, neither at the micro retail level. We're at the fine middle and um, we're geared to helping ambitious online retailers looking to scale by 2X, 3X or even 10X. So um, what I do to help you guys, you know, um, figure out how to grow your businesses is I, a lot of the time, handpick the guests that come on this show. If I'm not talking on the show on myself, on, on my solo shows, and I want these guests to share their expertise and experience. And criteria, my criteria is based on just one question. Can my guests provide valuable information and insights to help you, my listeners, grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales? If they can, I try my best to get them on the show. Right. So obviously, um, you guys have been listening to the show. Um, and today's show is actually very special. Um, if you're in the UK, you would have come across this brand. Um, it is called Eve Mattresses. So the equivalent of Eve Mattresses in the US is Casper. Um, on today's show, I have with me Yash Bagney Weski. And um, he is a founding it was is a founder he's a starting founder of eve mattresses um which pretty much sprung up in um february of 2015 and um they have turned out to be uh you know um uh, an eight figure you know, business. Uh, they, they're, they're now in the region of about almost 30 million pounds in revenue, which is about 50 million, you know, dollars in, in revenue. So he founded it with his cousin, um, having seen success on um, daily deal sites. And um, he he went direct to consumer, which is what I preach and this, why I love, you know, um, on, you know, as a business model in, in retail and, um, and in product businesses in general. And, um, this episode, um, is fire. You know, if you have a direct to consumer brand selling, you know, limited products, a few range of products, or you're trying to expand, you know, from a one product direct to consumer business to, 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 to a portfolio of products. This is a must listen. Um, Yash has, um, 
in-depth understanding of growing, you know, direct to consumer businesses. And what I'm going to, what we focused on on this um, conversation really was their growth from um, 2.8 million pounds in year one to 28 million pounds in revenue in year two. So that 10x growth, um, how they did it, um, how they maxed out um, certain channels, and how they moved and transcended to to other platforms. So it's 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 really if if your interest is direct to consumer, you you have to listen to to this call. Um, it's I think about 40 or 50 minutes, and you know every I tried to squeeze as much as I could for you guys to 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 to, to, to understand you know what makes a direct to consumer you know brand um successful they're the most searched you know um in terms of brand name search the most popular mattress brand in the uk at the moment um so so yeah it's it's exciting um stay tuned um and and take notes you know just take take a lot of notes um let me know what you guys think and um you know um in the comments you so you can um you know go on to to our site um there's going to be it's obviously going to be up on the 2 commerce you know dot com site um so you know leave leave comments if if you enjoy the show and um yeah enjoy and listen to to this episode Okay, welcome Yash to the Two X E Commerce Podcast. Um, welcome. Hi, it's nice to be here. Fantastic. Um, could you take um a, a minute or or two to just introduce yourself, you know, and um and and, and Eve mattresses, please. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my name's Yash, as you as you rightly said. Uh, my my background has been in e-commerce. I've worked in e-commerce probably since two thousand and eight. Uh, I started working with Rocket Internet, who are a large incubator of internet businesses. And then I went on to found a couple of my own businesses. The first was a direct-to-consumer mattress company that was sort of bootstrapped and sold through daily deal sites like Groupon, so very focused on discounting. And the second was a direct-to-consumer um, online mattress brand called Eve, which um, I founded and ran for the first sort of uh four years i guess in its operation and, and left uh, a couple of months ago okay fantastic so we're going to really talk about eve mattresses because i was looking at the google trends and also like search volume and um you guys are the number one mattress brand in the uk at the moment they're about 74,000 or so odd searches for the brand itself. And your nearest competitor, Simba Mattress, about 40,000. So um, you definitely have done something right, you know, building out the Eve Mattresses brand. So let's rewind back to when it was founded, you know, um, was, was it in 2014 or 2015? We, we were founded 2014 and, and okay. launched 2015. Okay, so how did you come up at, at the time? Um, I believe like in... You know, 2000, in the early 2000s, um, there were other brands coming out in the US. There was Casper and, you know, a number of other brands. I think Needle and Turf and a few other, you know, luxury brands and you know, mattress brands in the US. Um, did you look at, you know, what was working in the US and, you know, looked, looked at the UK markets and found a gap or... Did you, was your thinking, you know, um, you, did you, was your thinking, was your thinking something else um, to, towards, you know, finding Eve mattresses? Um, it was a bit of, a, a little bit of both, actually. So we, we had previously with some friends of mine, so I, I, I worked at um, a company called City Deal for a long time. I was one of the guys running it in the UK, and we sold that business to Groupon. Um, and after the Groupon acquisition, I had the idea with some friends of mine to just start selling products on Groupon, which was at the time a service business. And in 2011, we we started selling products on there. Uh, and we looked at things with high margins and things that had, um, so that we could manufacture locally so that we wouldn't have to hold any stock. And, and that sort of made us think about mattresses. And in 2011, we ran a mattress deal on Groupon, which became the biggest ever Groupon deal. We sold 6,000 mattresses on our first day, turned over about $2 million. Um, and that was before pretty much anybody else was doing online mattresses. So Tuft & Needle, who you mentioned, they launched in 2012, a year later. Casper launched in 2014, so two, uh, three years later than us. So we had already been doing it for quite a long time, but it was, it was a slightly different model in that we were using daily deal sites, still doing direct-to-consumer, but we were discounting heavily. And, and what we saw when, when some of those brands you mentioned in the U.S., like Casper and Tuft & Needle, launching we saw that they were building really 
sort of a modern, fresh and innovative brands around their products. And we realized we couldn't do that through the Groupon platform because it was so tied to discounting and because Groupon isn't really a place for, I mean, I guess more and more so, but at the time wasn't a place that people went to for, for sort of high brands. So we sort of looked at the Casa model and thought we could build something bigger outside of Groupon. And we took a few learnings for Casper and Tuscan Needle and some of the other guys in the U.S. and how they were doing it. But really, the, the sort of core concept of selling mattresses direct to consumer, we were doing before all of those guys. So I like to sort of think that they probably noticed what we were doing and also sort of were inspired a little interesting. bit. Interesting. Interesting. Um, not many direct-to-consumer businesses were started out from, um, you know, um, from, from, from group selling, you know, from marketplaces, you know. So that, that's quite interesting. Okay, so... Um, and the fact that, you know, you sold 6,000 mattresses in one day for two million, that, that's like super impressive. Okay. So you were probably capitalized. And, um, when you launched the website, you know, in, in, um, in February, 2015, what, how did you sell your first 1000, you know, uh, mattresses as a direct to consumer business, as a direct to consumer brand? We did it. Um, we did it pretty fast. So we, we raised a seed round of funding from, some great investors, um, some guys out of the U.S. called Jose and Fabrice, who are angel investors even before our seed round, and then DN Capital and Octopus Investments in the U.K. made sort of across all of those guys, we raised about 600 grand. And we put most of that money, because we had been in the sort of mattress game for a while, we had already outsourced manufacturing. We had sort of credit lines with the manufacturers. So really most of that early money went into marketing. And in the early days, we focused on digital marketing because it was, it's sort of, it's more efficient. It gives you less scale longer term, but it's more efficient and it's more easy to track and really understand who your customers are and where they're coming from and how they're spending time on the site. So we sold the first thousand mattresses would have taken us about three months, which is, you know, pretty, pretty fast. Um, And all of that would have come through advertising on Google AdWords and Facebook, plus through a little bit of PR. You know, in the early days, you got yeah. quite a lot of PR because it was quite innovative, both to be selling mattresses direct to consumer, around the brand we were creating, and also um, also around the funding. I think it was just quite sort of interesting news that the venture mm-hmm. capitalists had put money into sort of online mattress brand, which, you know, didn't, didn't feel like the sort of typical technology investment they would usually do. Right. So... With your digital marketing strategy over the first three months, would you say you your strategy was more chasing demand for mattresses, the appetite for mattresses in the market, or did you stimulate um, you know demand by saying this is a new way of buying mattresses? It's a really interesting question, and, and it's something we talked about a lot and was done. We did, effectively we did both. So I think with mattresses is, is quite a traditional product. Um, So there is already a lot of demand for just mattresses generally. So you can leverage Google AdWords with that, which is quite interesting. It wouldn't be the case if you were launching something completely new, but there was already a lot of search volume. So we started with um, with AdWords, really just bidding on people searching for mattresses. But at the same time, my cousin and co-founder, Kuba, um, was doing a lot of the demand generation with PR or impress, and we were doing it through Facebook a little bit more because in Facebook, you can sort of appeal to people visually and tell more of a story um, and make them almost be interested in something they didn't realize they were looking for, which isn't really the case with AdWords because AdWords just re- sort of responds to demand. So, so we use both, but I think what we did very interestingly was the way we created demand. And with AdWords, you, you sort of find yourself in very traditional mattress land. Yeah, it caps you know, like out, doesn't it? Yeah. It caps out and and it's sort of people often who have a predetermined idea of what they want in their head. But what's interesting with Facebook and with PR and later we would do it, you know, with T V and, and sort of other offline channels. Um uh yeah, it was just that demand creation, which I think is which is really interesting. It, it is. In, in, in direct-to-consumer, you know, um, the space and the G2C space it, it is really, really fascinating um because you're creating new markets. And um, the, the the potentially new channels, you know, with Facebook and Instagram, um, prior to you know you you know wanting to do TV, you know you, you could you could easily scale and create demand and tell stories as you you know as you rightly said. Um, it was but, really interesting as well with mattresses because it was 
it was such a boringly done category at the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's since become much more creative with us and you know some of the other competitors who launched later. Um, but the at the time, it was really, really boring, generic, functional right. advertising, you know. Um, and so it was it was just quite fun to sort of tear up that rule book a little bit and do it and just make it a bit more glamorous and a bit more sexy, really. So, so that was something we really enjoyed uh, doing with E. Interesting. I noticed one of the conversations you tapped into, you started to, to, to get into was the wellness, um, you know, um, was just like the importance of sleep, you know. Um, how, how did you come about how do you discover that conversation how did you realize that you know that conversation is really a big topic and how did you connect it obviously there's a deep connection with 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 your product but um how could you sort of flesh out how you you got into it and how how much of a success that was well i mean sleep i guess you know wellness is maybe it's so broad you know i think sleep was what was quite interesting to us it's just such a huge category and it's this topic and when you're in the you sort of don't realize it until you're in there uh, to like the extent that it's a, it's an issue i mean we we it sort of started with us getting so many letters in the early days from people saying wow you know your product changed my life i sleep better my back pain's gone um you know i have more energy all this stuff and and, and that was really like sort of a bit of an eye-opener to like how much of a problem sleep is for people and how Although mattress is so cool in that and getting it to people affordably and fast and sort of making returns easy and the hundred nights and everything is, is huge. It's not it's not the full story, right? Like mattresses is just like a part of it. Um, so so it just made us think there's so much more we can do. And actually, Kuba was very sort of I guess visionary on that from day one because he mm-hmm. built the brand around not not just sleep but the benefits of sleep and sort of how that feeds into wellness and all the you know, what isn't interesting is that it's not the eight hours a day that you're asleep. It's the sort of 16 hours that you're awake and how that eight hours fuels it. And then really a lot of the early thinking around Eve came from that. So the yellow color, the brand name, the Sunrise mm. logo, all of that was sort of, um, yeah, all of that was, was just really, really interesting. I think both to customers and also to us, it was just a very fun way to, to build a brand because it was so different to what, everybody else was doing around sleep. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So in your first year of business, you know, when, when you started out, you know, when, when you launched a public in February, 2015, um, what kind of revenues, how many mattresses did you sell in, in your first year of business? So the revenue in the first year was 2.8 okay. million. I honestly Not can't remember how many mattresses that was. Um, <laughs> second year was 12. Well, third year was 28 and well, then this year we'll see. I mean, it's only the fourth year, and the, you know, it's, it's, it's fourth so, so year you, or third full year really will you, be this year. Interesting. You've 10 X in, in three years, 2.8 to 28. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, well, well okay. yeah, exactly. I mean, we, so really in two years because we yeah, did 2.8 exactly. and a year later we did 12. And exactly. Then 20, so 10 X in, in two years. Two years. Well, fantastic. Okay. So, Let's sort of flesh out your um the reason, you know, what what would you attribute it from an 80-20 Pareto's perspective, where would you attribute um where you got the most leverage from a marketing standpoint um for, for, for this, you know, um for this remarkable growth? Uh well I think like fundamentally it's just a great business model, you know. We we weren't the only guys who did it. Like there's a few other guys. So I'd love to say it was all us, but realistically, you know, there's a few brands that have done very well in this category. So I think first you have to point to the to the category. It's one of the most underpenetrated uh retail sort of models online. And it's undergoing one of the fastest shifts. So Euro Monitor says it's the second fastest shift offline to online of any category other than health and beauty in the next sort of five years. So there's this huge structural shift going on, product that everybody needs, huge marketplace that traditionally hasn't really been bought online, but is more and more happening online. So I think that was the first really interesting thing. The second thing was uh, just a great brand and sort of the, the sort of innovative and and sort of cool way of, of selling the product that we came up with. And then the final one, I think, is the team. You know, Eve just had a brilliant, always had and still has a brilliant a brilliant team at every level, you know. We we managed to sort of bring in so many rock stars from, from brilliant businesses like Channel 4 and May.com mm. and Capita and all these great, great places, really. And, 
Um, I've, and, you know, they're, they're, these are sort of people who would never have worked that are, I don't know, at a, a, a sort of traditional legacy brand, you know, so I think mattress brands. So so I think I probably wouldn't have worked for most of even the direct-to-consumer guys out there because there was just something so sort of fresh and exciting about everything, that, and right. it still is about everything that Eve was doing, you know. Interesting points about your team. Um, so what does leadership look like at, at, at Eve Mattresses? What are the pillars of, of leadership there? Well, I've left, you know, so so I can tell you like when I, when I was there, and I'm, I assume it's kind of similar now, but it may, it may have changed, I'm not sure. But speaking from when I was there, I think what we tried to do was we tried to hire people um, who are just much better than you in everything, you know, and, and in my case, it's pretty easy finding guys who are better than me. So I just, we would try and find the, just really the absolute best guys. And then you would give them huge freedom to sort of execute on their, on their sort of tasks and their roles really without too much micromanaging. What you find with your great people is you don't need to, you sort of give them a, a target and a goal and a sort of direction of where they need to get to, but you can just leave them to do it and they'll do it better without your interference. That's sort of what I found. Um, and that's very much the way I like to operate. So I like to just bring in people. So if, if I take branding, for example, my co-founder Kuba has worked in advertising for, for I think over 20 years, you know, so he just, he just knows that category so well. And, and the stuff, the stuff that he was coming up with was so far beyond anything we could have envisaged. Mm-hmm. Um, that you just kind of left him to do it. Similar on the website, similar on marketing. You know, it was just a brilliant team of people. It is a brilliant team of people. So I keep referring to it in the past because I've left. But um, so, so yes, I think just get great guys in and then sort of give them the freedom to. And we always sort of like like giving them a bit of creativity as well. We sort of said, you need to get from point A to point B, but how you get there is kind of to be as creative as you want, really. And, and that was, I think that not only does that get you great results, but I think it makes people really enjoy their work. And right. I think people always like working at you because they had a lot of sort of remit to, uh, or they have a lot of remit to, you know, to, to just sort of um, to, do, to do cool stuff. Amazing. Very, very interesting. So, um, you guys IPO'd in two years, you, 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 you know, you, you, I think it was sometime in, um, 2017 was, was it too fast? Um, an IPO, um, in, in hindsight, um, cause, um, looking at your closest competitors, um, Simba, you know, sleep, you know, they're, they're still at a series B and, you know, according to, to, to Crunchbase, they've, they've raised about, you know, 70 million plus dollars us, um, why? What was the reason to IPO so quickly? Look, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know about Simba or you know other people's strategies yeah. for fundraising, or whatever. But in terms of for us, I, I don't think it was too early. Okay. I think realistically, it was only a year ago, so it's too early to tell. I think share prices, the share price has always been quite volatile, and you know, at, at one point, if it went up to one pound forty, then everyone said, "Wow, it was a great decision to IPO." Then it drops a bit, and everyone said, "It's a bad decision." IPO. I think in the end, we always took a long-term view of it. We we did the IPO because we wanted to raise a large chunk of money to pull ahead of our competitors. And like you said, sort of in your opening point about sort of Google Trends data on the publicly visible data, which is Google Trends data, um, brand awareness. We were always really far ahead of everybody else. And I think partly that's because we launched first, but partly it was because we raised the most money and it was the IPO that allowed us to do that. So taking a long-term view, I think, you know, today's share price is not the reason we IPO'd. You know, we IPO'd to build a great business and I believe the IPO helps us to do that and we continue to help them do that because it's a really well-funded business and it's yeah. sort of ahead of its competitors. You yeah. know? And so, so I think on that basis, it was a good decision, but you know, it, it, it's it I mean, only it, a year ago. I mean, it reflected over 2017, you know, revenue, you know, when, when you, when you guys did 28 million and um, I was just reading an article where we talked, where, where you, you know, uh, you know, attributed a three, 
key factors of growth, which I want to really talk about um, in you know in, in your first year, you know after IPO to to strong you know brand and, and marketing in the UK. Um, moving to new countries, you know, which is really important for direct-to-consumer business. And um, third, you know, your the new products and expanding into new products. I think you were branded from Eve Mattresses to, to Eve Sleep. Um, so just fleshing out um, your, these three, um, could you just tell us how you, you know, you, you put, you know, these three pretty much actions in, into play, you know, um, and, and how you, 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 you're able to double um, your business in, in just a year? Yeah, that was always almost from day one, really, the, the strategy that we had. And it, it came a lot from, um, from a background with the previous mattress business, and we sort of saw what, what, what grows. But, but there was also a fourth one. I think that business inside of missed it. It was also going offline as well. So offline, okay. And much more into offline. Yeah. It was always in our sort of full year and mid-year updates. But yeah, those are the four things we focus on. So the first one, obviously, is just growing in your core market. I think for any any business, that's a crucial thing is to be ideally number one in your main market, but crucially to be growing in your main market. Secondly, we saw that, we, you know, it's a learning that we had from Rocket was that customers aren't that different, actually, around, around different countries. They tend to want similar things. Industries look... Not always the same, but quite similar. You know, so mattresses pretty much everywhere in Europe were um, an offline category, shifting online at different sort of stages and at different sort of points in that transition we found, but essentially similar kind of things. So, so international is a big opportunity. Um, new products for sure. We felt, you know, when we started Eve, we, we initially thought we would just do the one product and do it well, but so many people would write to us like, oh, I'd, you know, I bought your mattress. I loved it. I'd love to get something else from you guys. And even myself, I remember when I got my first ever Eve mattress, such excitement and kind of unpacking it and then almost a bit of a sinking feeling at the end because I thought, well, that's sort of the end of my experience as yeah. a consumer with this company because they don't have anything else. So, so, so then we started, you know, it just became such an obvious thing to do, to do the add-ons first, like, you know, the pillows, the sheets, and the beds, and the duvets. And the team, the new, develop, new product development team is amazing. And the stuff that they came out with in my time there that they had in the pipeline was incredible. And I, I'm sort of really excited to see what, like I always go back to the website and just see if there's yep. anything new because they were such a sort of both from a sort of design and aesthetic level, but also yep. just from a sort of quality of product level. The stuff was so so good that I always get quite excited about going back to the site and, and yeah, and just kind of yep. um, see, seeing what they're doing. So, so that was always a huge one and one of the ones that I think everybody at the company like just particularly enjoyed as well. And then the final one was going offline. So we at the time of the IPO. I think then we were in about 10 stores, you know, oh, we were wow. in Debenhams, and now it's hundreds, you know, we just, just actually, as I left, we, we had gone into 190 dream stores. So it's wow. hundreds of stores around Europe. So wow. that also became quite a big driver. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was, I sort of, again, we'll sort of monitor curiosity, how, how yeah. far that ends up getting pushed or not, but it was a really interesting part of the business that was quite untapped. Uh, so that's amazing because um, um, the the offline will you know um, bring a lot of brand awareness. Um, you know, if you're in a you know you're 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 in stores, you know, in over hundred stores, uh, that's amazing. Um, I didn't even realize you're you're offline. Um, okay, right. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting part. Of it. It's sort of something that in the beginning we sort of wrestled with a bit. We said we're direct to consumer and we want to do this, and then we sort of dipped our toes into it a little bit by doing concessions in stores where we would still be effectively the the people shipping the product and we would be the ones really interacting with the customer and paying a small commission to a store for doing it. And it was sort of so successful that we just kind of pushed it out further, you know, and and started to do more traditional offline deals. And like you say, it's huge for brand awareness it still gives more sort of, I would say, traditional shoppers a place to buy the product. It also gives people a place to try out the product who may exactly. end up buying it online anyway. Uh, and it's quite nice just sort of seeing it next to other products and really exactly. being able to understand what what is so special about the mattress. Because, you know, we we always made, we make such a big effort to explain that on the side with videos and diagrams and text. But you realize the customers sort of have a limited 
interest or sort of attention span for really sifting through all of that information about layers and densities and compositions and that really yeah. for a lot of people they just want to be able to sort of lie on there now you can go on the site and there's a map there that shows you all the you put in your postcode and it shows you your nearest ones and it's getting pretty you know, it's getting pretty comprehensive in the uk like i said there's hundreds of stores in the uk they're in a bunch of stores in france as well so it's, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Super. Uh, you know, given the price point, you know, um, the, it takes a bit of consideration um, to, you know, to, to want to buy, you know, it and, um, you know, just having that touch and feel, you know, just, um, you know, closes that loop a lot, you know, a lot, uh, a lot faster. So what about buying cycles? Um, how quickly um, is a mattresses an impulse purchase or is there, you know, um, a consideration time in, in your marketing? You know, it's, it's, it goes back a little bit to your, your first question about were we sort of creating demand or responding. So I think you get both. I think you have people who um, who are in the market for a mattress for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who, who maybe have been sort of considering to buy one per year. You get guys who are sort of reacting to life events, like maybe moving house or getting married or getting divorced or, you know, having a kid or whatever. Like those things trigger it. And then you get a lot of people who, who sort of increasingly we saw this sort of see it as a lifestyle purchase, which was always quite exciting for us mm-hmm. because it, I don't think it traditionally was like that. I don't think it was traditionally. Maybe some of the more premium brands that cost thousands and thousands of pounds, you might tell your friends you got one, but it, it was never one. It was just one of those products that you got delivered, you put under your sheets and you forgot about. Whereas with Eve, we saw so much. Uh, social sharing, people sort of posting things on Instagram, posting unboxing videos, mm. talking about it, telling their friends. So many of our sales came from the referral. Uh, and so that, I think, started to make it more impulse buy. And we'd even mm. see it, you know, we'd run a TV ad and you'd see the sort of traffic shoot up and the, and the sales off the back of it just spike as well. So we, we saw data with that. We saw it with our first ever Groupon deal where 6,000 people bought in a day. So I think it's both. Um, and it's quite hard to se- separate it all out because, yeah. you know, it just, uh, yeah, it, 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 but I think it's both for sure. And we would very much try to okay. respond to both of those impulses. Before I let you go, um, over your, your 10 X, you know, growth period, um, what was your number one marketing channel? Um, well, the biggest spend was on TV. Yeah. Um, but it, it's sort of, it's not the most efficient. So it, it sort of, it depends. Obviously we don't, we don't want to go too much into that because then sort of competitors <laughs> get, uh, get a sense of it. But there's, there's some info in our, in our, um, uh, sort of trading updates and yeah. full year results. And interim, but, but you know, it's sort of a combination of online and offline we did really. It was a lot of, a lot of, we did a lot of advertising on the tube. We did a bit of print advertising spent quite heavily on TV uh, and then did a lot with digital as well. So nothing, I don't think there's any big sort of secret that's anybody sort of interested in doing this stuff. The reality is you just sort of, you test and at different periods, you find that different channels work well with TV. A lot of it's around also like costs of TV spots are higher at certain times of year. So then you'd pull back and invest more maybe in digital, but, but it's, it's just a very, I think marketing, it all, it's all marketing works. It's just a question of making it efficient. And, and that takes a lot of data and a lot of testing and other sort of make some mistakes along the way. But you, it's sort of, it's just a very iterative process. I don't think there's like a sort of secret formula that, that any company can use. And then, it, you know, it depends on who your customer, even, even amongst the direct-to-consumer brands, we all have like slightly different customer bases, slightly different brand messages and creative. And so, Based on that, different channels might work differently for, for, for different companies. But, but I think um, it's, it's sort of all the usual suspects. I mean, you just have to go into them, test them, and, and gather data on it, really. And double down. Yeah, I agree. I, I was part of a, I was, I was with a company a, a, a few years ago, and, um, you know, they, they tried out TV advertising and the impact across the board um, from search through to social was was just positive all around, especially when it was sustained. Um, and it was just, it was not even national, it was regional, you know, um, particular wow. postcode. So, so yeah. 
It's fascinating. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting successes. And we sort of came across it first with Zalando. You know, Zalando sort of pioneered a bit in Europe. Mm. Internet companies going on TV. They did this media for equity deal with Prozeven and it completely transformed their business. Before then, I remember that was considered quite revolutionary that they were going on TV because online businesses advertise online, really. And then since then, of course, a lot of companies do. I don't think it always works. Um, mm. Uh, and, and even then, it's, it's it's quite an interesting one because you, you can sort of monitor the impact of it shorter term, but it's hard to understand. Some people say that some of the big benefits of TV are longer term, really, and we can't we can't monitor those yet because we haven't been around long enough. I mean, we've only been on TV for probably just two years now, and that was very small when we started. So we've only been on TV. TV at scale for like a year. So some of those benefits from TV we probably haven't even felt yet, which is quite exciting. But yeah, it was always a really exciting channel for us. And it's, it's, it's definitely one of the channels that takes you into the mainstream because it just, yeah, I think while you're sort of advertising on AdWords and Facebook, you're inevitably going to be a little bit niche. But once you start advertising on TV and underground and press, you do just sort of, I don't know, get a little bit more known, you know? True, true, true. Okay, and then um, for our listeners who are you know keen on um, either growing or starting a direct-to-consumer businesses, um, how in 2018 would be the best way to to establish product market fits? Obviously, you guys were you know were already an established business. You know, having sold six thousand mattresses in a day, you know, on on a you know group selling webs on Groupon. Um, but um, you know, do you have any ideas? Um, you could you could share with with, with our with our listeners on that. I mean, it's interesting, you know, because now I'm sort of thinking about my next my next business, and I'm I'm trying to figure that out myself. Really, we were very lucky with Group One in that we just found it. You know, we just sort of found this product market fit, and then just went with it. I think there's a number of ways you can do it. You can sort of look at businesses that have been well in other territories, you know, and sort of mm-hmm. get a sense of it like that. You can look at things maybe that are doing well offline but haven't really transitioned online so well. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit instinctive. You just sort of think, isn't it strange that this or that service doesn't exist? But, um, you know, it's, it's a really hard one. I think it, you, you sort of want to start with just making sure the market is big enough. I think that's what was always interesting about mattresses. It's such a huge market. Just yeah. mattresses in the UK is 2 billion. And then when you talk about sleep, you can sort of 3, 4x that really, depending on how broadly you divide, define sleep. So, um, so yeah, so it's, I, I think that's the crucial thing. I think you can, especially if you're going to be venture backed and it sort of depends on your goal as well. But for us, we always wanted to do a big business, you know, yeah. and so to do that, you need a huge market to address. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I think that's the starting point, but, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't think there's like a magic formula for that. Like what rocket used to do really well is to sort of look at businesses that are doing well in other territories. Yeah. And and then sort of find gaps that way. That's probably one of the safer ways you can do it because, like I say, generally consumers aren't that different. You know, I think if you can make a business work in the US or Australia or Germany, you can probably make it work in the UK uh, unless there's something very, very localized specific about it. So, um, so yeah, but it's, I, I think it's a magic question, really. I think if, yeah. if, if anyone could answer that, we'd all be entrepreneurs. You know? <laughs> True. I'm talking about, um, you know, I'm starting with um, markets that are big enough. Um, what, where do you get your data points from? How do you establish market size? Do you, do you use research, you know, um, from like your monitor or um, do you have other sources? Yeah. I mean, the actual size. Yeah, we we use Euromonitor a lot. There's a few similar type services. Most of them are paid, unfortunately. Sometimes yeah. you can find stuff online. I think when you're starting, you can find, you get some guidance on it online, you know, so that you don't have to pay for loads of reports. But even then, it's surprisingly inaccurate. We had a really embarrassing moment um, about six months after the IPO where Euromonitor changed the UK changed their estimate of the UK mattress market from one billion to two billion. So they doubled it, you know, After so in the all IPO. our projections of Yeah, which luckily they did it that way. You know, if they'd halved it it would have been really embarrassing. Like because <laughs> they doubled it, it was kind of good news. But yes. in the end it makes us look like idiots, even <laughs> though it's really Euromonitor who who provide the data. We don't there's no real way of sense checking it. You go to Euromonitor. There's a few of those sites and they all 
they all have sort of similar numbers that are a bit different. But when the main guy, Euromonitor, sort of doubles their projection and so says, oops, sorry, we made a mistake. Uh, it's, it just gives you a sense it's quite hard, but at least you can say it's, you know, I don't think you need to know when you're starting out whether it's, uh, you know, 5.4 billion or an 8.2 billion. Yeah. You just sort of want to know it's big enough, really. And we just got that sense of mattresses. You look, you look offline and you can see there are a number of players who are huge. You know, in the US, there were a few companies that were billion dollar companies. Yeah. Uh, in the UK, there's a few companies that do sort of in the hundreds of millions. And you just sort of look at that. You look at the, sort of Euromonic data and you can and you just get a sense that the category is big you know that it's a big yeah. category and you can build a big business and then you never quite know until you start doing it and even then you never know quite where it will cap out but you yeah we just sensed it was big enough and, and, and crucially we sensed that we could disrupt it because we just looked at the way mattresses were sold and we just thought there's no way that this is what customer wants I mean for us what was a big thing was anybody at the time that you spoke with about buying a mattress, there was one of those real, like, disaster purchases, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, markets are the in, in billions, basically. Um, so you can have a share of, of the billions. Okay, right. Um, so before I let you go, I always ask my, uh, my, my, my guest, um, you know, about five questions. Um, and uh, my guests are expected to just answer um, with, with a single sentence, you know. Um, it's called the, the lightning round. Um, so, yeah, I'll um, just ask you about five questions anytime you're ready. Yeah. Okay. How'd you hire people? Initially through network. Mm -hmm. Later, it, it gets it gets harder, you know. But but yeah, initially through network, and I think later, just through, uh, I mean, through recruiters or but but then your network takes you really far. I found mm -hmm. because. You know, we, I brought in as the four co, the four initial co-founders of E was my cousin and two really good friends. The next guy that we, the fifth co-founder we brought in was a guy that I had worked with, Zalando. Each of those guys has their network, so they brought in people, recruit sort of um, investors, recommend people. You know, so it's sort of a, the core team, the, the biggest part of the team, sort of grew quite organically through that. So that's the best way if you've worked with someone before or they're in your network and you have a recommendation. Because I think you never fully know in an instant. Makes sense. What are your three indispensable tools for managing your business? Uh, people, money, and time, I guess. You know, <laughs> money like, and time, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. What's been your <laughs> best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback. Um... The biggest mistake. Best mistake. The best mistake, yeah. I'm trying to think of, of how that happened. I mean, I think maybe it was we, we made a big mistake when we went into Germany where we 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 didn't, in the early days, because we, we were trying to disrupt the industry and we thought review sites were just sort of inherently a bit flawed and quite a strange way. We thought, you know, we would go focus much more on customer reviews and focus much more on user feedback. And... In Germany, we found there's a review site which is the total gold standard for, mm. for Mac reviews. And we just, we never worked with them. We never looked at how they tested the product because we wanted to sort of use consumer data instead. And they gave us a bad review and that, that really hung our business there, but it made us focus much more on sort of third-party review sites and found that actually they work with sort of testing institutes and technology agencies that give you, give you sort of a lot of insight into your product that customers wouldn't, you know, if you focus just on customer insight, which is still huge, you know, it's still massive, but it's that thing that Henry Ford says that if he sort of asked customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And so I think it's just, there's an element where you, like customer data is so, so vital and so important, but it only takes you so fast. I think that was a, a big mistake for us that eventually took us in a really good place. Fascinating. Really, really fascinating. Okay. What one piece of advice can you give a tailor's keen on 10x and like you guys did, you know, their, 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 their businesses, the direct to consumer businesses? Um, really, it's, it's similarly to those three points I gave you, but so hire great people, raise money when you can just to invest in growth 
and work and, and time, just like work really, really hard and work really long hours and just, uh, yeah, just stay very focused on it really, I think. Like, I think those are the main things. It's great, great, great. And, and, all that, and, and all that earlier stuff that we said about just finding something that's big enough because it will cap out if you go for a small market. Exactly, exactly. Okay, awesome. Uh, and, and that's probably why you guys also started to expand into other products complementing you know, mattresses in the, in the first place. You know, um, you've even gone to, to baby mattresses and baby cots, I believe. Yeah, I remember one of our early investors from DM, a guy called Steve, really cool guy. He said, um, he asked us, you know, how do you, in case it's growing faster, how do you build a hockey stick? You know, and that's sort of where we started to develop that strategy of new products, new markets, offline, because each of those things just kind of adds another layer of growth on it. It becomes quite exponential. And we, I think we were quite smart in that we, we started on most of those things early, apart from going offline. We, we were probably a bit too late with that. But on the other ones, we started quite early. And so what it meant was that they kind of would all kick in at the sort of different times. Cause it takes a while to build anything, whether it's in product sort of engine or, or offline or new markets. So, because we started them all early, we just kept getting these kicks as they took off, you know, and so it just it gives you that slightly hockey stick effect. Absolutely. Okay, um, final question is, if you could choose a single book or resource that made the highest impact um, on how you, you view building a business or growth, which would it be? A book or a resource? Um, as in... It wouldn't be a book for sure. I mean, I don't, I, I never read any of those kind of management books, although I read uh, Phil Knight's autobiography recently, okay. which was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, the Nike. I think, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but but it wouldn't it wouldn't really help me build my business. It's just a really interesting book. But the, what I think, for me, like I like data around marketing and web and stuff. So it's the resource that I use is Google Analytics. Mm. Um, so it's not a very interesting answer, but I just think you need to be buried in that, especially early on, uh, to really understand like your business and your customers and what's going on on your website. So, but any analytics, really. I used to love our A-B testing software. We use a tool called VWO. I love looking at that. I yeah. going on. I love AdWords, although the interface is annoying, Facebook ads, you know, just... Just being in all of those sort of analytics tools in the background, and I guess Google Analytics is the most comprehensive one, even though it's also surprisingly inaccurate given that it comes from Google. But it's the best thing to just give you a real understanding of what of what's going on in your business. Absolutely. Sort of that. So I don't know if that's the sort of answer you're looking for. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm so I'm super happy we're having this conversation because um I. Um, abandoned a book project. I was writing a book about direct-to-consumer, um, you know, how to, you know, rapid growth in direct-to-consumer brands. And I noticed every single thing you've touched on, every single point you, you touched on today in our conversation, and everything is like in a book, in the book, in, you know, in, in a section. And, um, you know, just after this conversation, I'm going to, you know, just dust it out and, um, you know, try and finish it, you know, because, um, um, yeah, it's been super interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, congrats. I mean, I, yeah. I think. I, I think just the, the thing is, you know, like I, I, it, reading books is great. I, I love it. I just feel that sometimes people read books to put off, kind of getting their hands dirty and getting into stuff, you know. And then I think it's just I would always recommend people just to start doing stuff above everything else. Just start building things and. And with, with analytics, I think a mistake that a lot of people do is they just pass it on to their marketing team and then the marketing guys tell them this is what your revenue is, this is what your mm-hmm. conversion rate is, or this is what. But really, you should be deep in that. I think as a sort of founder or as a sort of leader in any internet organization, you need to be deep in that stuff, really, yeah. because um, it's the only way to fully understand your business, I think. Yeah. And- I noticed Eve Mattresses is on a custom sort of PHP build. Lovely, lovely, you know, UX and, you know, the brand is on point, you know, totally on point. But I I noticed them PHP. So isn't it challenging, um, you know, um, trying to get data from a custom build? So on, um, you know, platforms such as, you know, Big Commerce or Shopify, you you tend to have a lot of the data. RFM analysis is done, you know, for you automatically. You know, you add to cart, you know, your you know, your initiate checkouts, you could see your funnel. Um, so how have you guys sort of, you know, managed data um, on a custom build e-commerce, you know, um, platform? Unless if, you know, I'm... 
doing something. We we use Magento too, actually. So oh. we, we experimented with Shopify. Uh, we initially were on Magento One, which was good in terms of functionality, but very clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, so so but we use Magento too. I don't know why. Maybe I, I, I mean I'm not a developer, so I, yeah. I think Magento is just in PHP, I guess. It, like, m- it must PHP, be. But, yeah, it must be the Chrome extension. I'm, you know, I'm using a using Appalizer and it just picked up PHP rather than. Um... Yeah, it could be that. But Magento is great. I mean, we 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 actually built when we started. We had um, a great guy in SF in San Francisco where we yeah. had some of our team. He he was a, he was a sort of product manager, but he was a whiz with just you know many product managers aren't so technical, whereas he was quite good at building stuff as well, and he. He was. He, we did so much research on. And it's a little bit similar to actually what I was about reading earlier. We did so much research on whether to use Shopify and Magento, and we couldn't really get to a conclusive answer on it. So he just said, "Why don't I just build a couple of the country stores in Shopify?" It took him like three days, and so for a while in the early days, we ran our core site on Magento, which I had had experience with, which is why I picked it. But he was also running a couple of the smaller stores in. In Shopify, and for various reasons, we found that Magento was better for our business. But Shopify is a brilliant, a brilliant tool as well. To just so, launch yeah, initially, and yeah, and just take off. And, and I think Shopify is probably easier to set up. So if if you have low technical resources, then I think Shopify is maybe a better bet. I think Magento gives you more functionality, mm-hmm. but it's it's just harder to do stuff, especially on the front end. So it, it just depends how. I think if you're going to go deep into e-commerce, maybe Magento is better. If you want just like a, a nice brand page, maybe Shopify. But we wanted to do interesting stuff with sort of integrating with warehousing and couriers and logistics, and we started having more products and having them coming from various warehouses. And so it just Magento just gave us the functionality to do all that. Amazing, amazing, fantastic! You know, um, chat, yeah, and thank you for 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 your time. Um, so for listeners keen on you know getting in touch with you or following you, you know, um, where where is the best place to to reach out to you? Oh God, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really on any social media. Maybe just ping me on LinkedIn. You know, okay. LinkedIn's the only only tool I really use, but I yeah, I'm always reply on that. So uh, yeah, drop me a message there. I'll link to, to your LinkedIn um, from, from the show notes. Many, many thanks again, and you have a good one. Nice one, mate. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you ever so much for joining me on today's episode. Um, check out 2xecommerce.com for slash podcast um, for show notes. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Kune Campbell. New episodes of 2x e-commerce podcast comes out every Thursday now. If you haven't already, please write us a review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And if you like this episode, share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn with your friends. 2x e-commerce is produced by me, Kune Campbell, with the help of Bubba Market. Thank you so much for listening. Have a terrific one. Bye. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2x e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2xecommerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.